Hey everybody, it's Stuart Thompson. I wanted to let you know that I have a brand new comedy album out now. Yes, now. It's called Dandy Man from Radland Records. And you can get it anywhere that you get your albums, including Apple Music, Amazon, Pandora, Spotify, Tidal, and YouTube. I hope you listen to it and I hope you really enjoy it. You can get it anywhere you get your albums. Just look up Stuart Thompson, that's S-T-U-A-R-T, and Dandy Man is the name of the album. Hope you enjoy it. Welcome everyone to the Late Night Podcast with Stuart And I'm not. That's Luke Schwartz. I'm Stuart Thompson. We have a very fun podcast coming your way. Uh, It is with... Hi, Stuart. Hi, Luke. How you feeling? Yes, we do have a fun podcast. I'm doing okay. Great. Uh, I'm doing okay myself. Uh, we are we interviewed yes. on this episode uh, Mr. Jonathan Vogler. He's a producer on the Comedy Store documentary that's airing on Showtime right now mm-hmm. every Sunday at 10 o'clock. As of this recording, uh, there are two episodes that are out on Showtime right now, and there's three more coming out. Uh, Luke is in the documentary, uh, so we've been talking about it the last episode I am, or two. and I'll talk about anything I'm in. I swear yes. to God, I will. That I know for sure, Luke. You are consistent about talking about things. You know, enough about me, but what about my book? That is something right. my father would always say, and he uh, had one funny line, and that was it. Yeah. If That's that's actually a funny... He also said, shut you up, you disgrace. <laughs> well. And that was, you know, that was to everyone he's ever met. So we, contain, cool. uh, we contain multitudes, Luke. No. <laughs> Um, before we get into, uh, the, the story documentary, cause I have, I've watched, I've been staying up to date and I've been enjoying it. Um, I was curious, you mentioned how your dad would mention, uh, the hypothetical book. What do you think if your parents, either of your parents wrote a book about their life, how, how would you feel? How I would look? <laughs> yeah. Like how do you, what well, that's how you I'm concerned about it in the documentary of my parents' lives. I think I'd be a pretty big role. <laughs> you think you might you get know, some lines? You know, I would definitely get some screen time and a lot of agonizing over. Um, how would it be in general? Yeah. Do you think? How do you think it would be structured? Do you think it'd be structured like another, uh, like a different type of book? Mm. Do you think your dad would would write something like an Eat, Pray, Love kind of thing, or do you think... Or like a, yeah, Eat, Pray, Love versus like a naked lunch where he cut <laughs> stuff from the back and put it in the front and cut it all over the place and then it was also yeah. like super, you know, rapey. <laughs> or um, Eat, Pray, Love, which has, you know, is sweet and nice or whatever for white, uh, white, you know, women. Yeah. White identifying, white presenting that's the word i was looking for presenting yeah how about that bill burr too on saturday night live oh <laughs> sorry i thought you were he, gonna go with more than just the the scoff <laughs> I, I don't know why what else is there to say i mean he just he people don't like him and then also people really like him yeah um, that's where i'm at yeah sometimes i will hear from like you or Anna or other friends about like stuff that is going on on the internet and it SNL. Feel- 
is not quite the internet, but yeah. No, but okay. like the response to what someone does. Oh, the discussion sure. about it on the internet. Yes, dear. And <laughs> and I will be like, oh, okay. Well, it sounds like they're having their little old discussion, and I uh, hope it's fun. Yes, it hundreds feels... and thousands of people are having their little discussion, Stuart. It, How reductive. It, it feels very distant from me. Like, I don't feel like it's... I don't feel like it's any of my business what other people think about what Bill Burr did, because... People know I'm a Punky Johnson stan, okay? I've been talking (laughs) about Punky for days now. Um, You know, and I think Bill Burr was on SNL hosting. Yeah. I really do. I I mean, I I really believe that in my heart of hearts. Yeah, and I know know you're going out on a limb. You don't always, you know, reach out and... I don't always put my hat into this political sphere. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes hats are round and they fit in the sphere of politics. And I will say that Bill Burr hosted SNL last week. And also that SNL has had Donald Trump host while he was running for president. So I guess I I think I'm a bad person. Yeah. (laughs) So do you feel like uh, any of the criticism... About, so for those who are listening, uh, you know, Bill Burr had some some jokes that are, if you're familiar with his act, are pretty in line with what he typically talks about. If yeah. you watched any of his specials, if you haven't and then seen he kept him saying three minutes, yeah, and, and they and two they minutes, to, and they told him to distill <laughs> yeah. a lot of what he, he talks was about still mad at them booing Dom Herrera, I think is what it really was. Yeah, he's still mad. <laughs> Because the SNL audience, when Dom Herrera came on, they were like, a boo, 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 you know? <laughs> what but if... Bill Burr doesn't know he, they were just calling Dom Herrera their boo. Like, oh, I see. You know, like a bay sort of situation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What if Bill Burr did the Philadelphia thing where he was like on SNL where he's like, four minutes left. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was joking about. With the three minutes left and the two minutes Oh, I see. I, I just heard the three minutes part. Yeah, but he did have to do a very short set, and he's used to doing an hour or much longer rambling on his podcast. Or ten minutes, yeah. Yeah, he's used to doing an hour, like, you know, spots wherever he wants to. So you kind of get he's to a, see... I will also say, I, I, I mean, he is a successful comedian. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes, yes he is. Uh, Steve Big Hearn, get him again. Hernandez uh, tweeted about me, uh, like he posted a picture of me on the Bill Bill Burr the Ringers presents, mm-hmm. and uh, he said this is Bill Burr. Did you see the monologue? Bill's monologue. Bill Burr, yeah, as yeah. Luke does stuff teaching Bill Burr about the gay pride parade or gay pride month, and it was uh, it was cute. It was nice. Right. <laughs> I just well yeah you just are I guess not online guy yeah no I wouldn't say I'm online as okay boomer as li- as little as I have to be man it's like not a lot of it's very productive you know what I say to Laura Croft okay tumor <laughs> okay um, wait that's I- what I say to my cancer also <laughs> so I think you know if people want to have their discussion online about you know what someone did on a show. That's fine. But at the end of the day, the person's still going to do their monologue. And if they choose to change, that's kind of on them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, SNL started out their season having Chris Rock and Bill Burr on. And 
you know, both of two those... Two stand-ups. Yeah, two stand-up comics. Ever heard of them? Who are notably outspoken. And... Who are both in the, in this episode of the Comedy Store documentary. Yes. And, and with Punky Johnson. That's true. Yeah. So there's a... Um, you know, and they're also going to talk. Both those guys are really good at talking about things that are not popular to say, mm-hmm. and then figuring out how to defend their point and get people on their side. And doing it in five minutes is very difficult. Possible, and what I do every day. <laughs> I get people on board with not absolutely hating me for saying the dumbest jokes they've ever heard. Which is the same thing, basically, that Bill Burr and Chris Rock do, I think. Well, and that's every comedian's task. And I think everyone has to find their way in, and everyone has to find out what works for them. And, you know, Bill and you know, and Rock have both done that to their degree. I think you get to see a little bit of that in the Comedy Store documentary uh, in episode two. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to talk about it a little bit with you because you are in it. Uh, you get to explain what potluck is. Uh, to the... yeah, I do the my famous time to feed the fish line. Yeah, and um, you kind of let people know what it's like at the very beginning of a comedian's uh, you know journey or relationship with meteoric the rise. Yeah, and then we got to see all you know we got to have that moment where uh, Frank Castillo got passed. Frank got passed, and he hugged his best friend Mike Binder, the guy who's always been there for him. <laughs> yeah, um, and. So they talk about, you know, the the whole gamut of someone's relationship with the club, you know, from being, you know, a newbie to being someone who's part of the family. And I think that was mm-hmm. I think that was really well done. It it brought up a lot of, you know, feelings for me about, you know, it did too for me as well. Yeah. Cuz you know, I was just thinking about how neither of us are past there. Neither of us are past there, but both of us have been interwoven into that. Mhm into that family of we're friends and family yeah and also i kate made a very interesting observation she was like oof for those two open micers that they showed really bombing oh yeah they did highlight you know how adam a couple comedy and yeah i was right next to him and yeah i tried to have a smile on my face i think for the show but like yeah yeah but they, they really didn't yeah they they captured that moment of someone like Trying to land a joke. And they did capture, really honestly, his exasperation. They captured quite a bit. Yeah. Like, accurately. I think they captured it well. Like, he started talking about something and then just, like, raised his ha- his hands to his eyes and kind of rubbed them on his palms. I thought it was really, like, a funny, very Adam moment. For sure. And um, So you meant, you said it brought up feelings for you, too. Like, what were the, what feelings were you feeling I'm pissed as hell. I, I I don't look like a total dillweed. Yeah, you don't. You you, you look I, like I, I do, my joke made it since the I did the I did a joke about you know how long it's been going on. Yeah, you you were you were sort of the the point person about. Yeah, I was the best guy and the funniest. You're right. <laughs> but anyway, we talk about this at length on the episode. Thank you everybody for listening i almost said you guys but that's pejorative now i want to say everybody literally because yeah. you know there could be one woman listening to this who knows i appreciate y'all listening and uh enjoy this uh conversation with a producer Follow us at the l8 night show oh yes and, of course we, uh, got, we got the social <laughs> yeah, media we've got I'm all so our social. Get... they know all that stuff doesn't matter um they know the l8 night show the late night show on twitter and instagram and yep. the gmail 
Yep. And Stuart B. Thompson Comedy. <laughs> yeah, you can follow me at Stuart B. Thompson on all the socials, StuartThompsonComedy.com. Luke's on the internet. Uh, as Verified. As a, yep. So uh, less than can... two thousand followers. <laughs> so uh, you can follow us. You can for episode updates. You can mm-hmm. and with just what's going on in our life and enjoy this interview. Uh, really fun conversation with the producer Jonathan Vogler. Yeah, Jonathan. Sorry, Vogler. Everybody. I've really annoyed you this intro. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm really feeling myself. Uh, you know that's what it is. It is. All right. Bye with the fuckers. All right, welcome back, everybody. We are uh, very excited to uh, talk with someone that uh, you know we were talking about tangentially on the last episode. Um, he is a producer of the uh, Comedy Store documentary that's uh, airing on Showtime right now. It's Jonathan Vogler. It's very nice to meet you, and uh, great to talk to you, man. Yeah, this is cool. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for having Hello. me. Hello. <laughs> Hi, Luke. Luke. I've not Hi. seen you. I've seen you. I've seen your face quite a bit over the past few months, but not. Uh, you don't ever react not in to real. me. That's yeah. right. Yes, I am recorded digitally on uh, files that you are editing, I believe. That's right. Yeah, it looks wow. unnatural. He doesn't. He knows not to look at the cameras, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, he's. That's he's got the that hard, Honestly, the hardest thing about acting is not looking directly at the camera. So in a documentary, it's fine. You know, it's great. You could just look right down the barrel and be like, "What's up, viewers?" <laughs> uh, can I just say up top, Jonathan? The the documentary looks spectacular like it, the the aesthetics of the of the shots and the you know the i don't want to it's call very it like well equal time, but it, it it really covers you a did lot a lot of, of information that right really well yeah the building is so easy to photograph i could just look at that building all day the insides the outsides the stained carpet the cracked walls all of that the building mm-hmm. it's it just like and like the fact that there's like built-in purple orange red yellow neons yeah um it does a lot of work for us and yeah thank you for that I, I had you been to the comedy store before you started doing all this stuff i love the comedy store you sat me at the comedy store uh, oh, <laughs> as just a regular patron yeah um, wow how'd i do <laughs> in the sitting i feel like i'm a good seater i asked you where the bathroom was you told me where it was and then you sat mm-hmm. me in a good seat uh no i used to go there all the time i would go there for my birthday i actually we are doing a thing where we're including some stuff about when louis did his special and we needed a photo mm-hmm. uh just of the marquee that night and i happened louis to Anderson? have one because louis ck when he did his oh, okay. what was it 2014 or 15 whatever now? happened to that guy i don't know <laughs> yeah. uh but I was at that show, and I had a personal photo that I could supply uh, oh, nice. to the production, wow. which was nice. So, yes. I probably sat you at one of those, too. Yeah. Maybe actually... not me in particular, but I was working. Yeah. Likely. Yeah, same here. But I wouldn't have been working had I known. Yeah. It was interesting, Jonathan, watching, because I've seen so many documentaries about comedy, and you know, the question for you know someone who is uh, a comedy nerd like myself in addition to being a stand-up or someone who is who has gotten swept up in the the behind the scenes element of stand-up is like how is this documentary going to be different and i'm curious what you and um and mike binder team were thinking about and the team when you (laughs) were approaching this 
Yeah, it's Mike. I mean, it, it's I think what makes it different is this isn't this is Mike's. It's told by Mike through Mike's eyes, and so he has his own thoughts and memories from the comedy store. So we get to see it all filtered through him. I think if we just had a faceless, nameless director, and it was just sort of like a here's a history of this building, it wouldn't be that great. But I think because we see it told through him, it has an edge to it, and it has a really, really strong point of view that I don't think you get if it's just mm-hmm. some like, here's a survey of this building, here's everything that happened, here's all the people, and here's what they have to say. Uh, it becomes different when it's someone's personal journey, and that's what he brings to it, and among many, many other things. He was talking. I mean, he was talking to guys that went on both sides of the picket line. So I guess they're, they're everybody's over it now, huh? All I think so. They, they still talk about it. You'll see. I don't know when this is going to run, but the strike episode is the is the second episode. So that's where we'll get into that. That'll be the most recent episode that will come out. Yeah, I think yeah. this this will come out. I think after that airs, so um, mm-hmm. people can so, okay, uh, yeah. watch it to check. But yeah, that's um, it is interesting because I remember reading "I'm Dying Up Here" and Mike was the sort of the focal point of the of the strike in that he was this young, he was like a child when mm-hmm. that was like happening, like or something, right? Yeah, everyone yeah. else was like, you know, trying to be a, grown a, up. A, a working comic, but they all felt like more like grown ups by comparison to him. And I think you re- you're right; he really does sell, um, you know, the romantic element of the club, and as someone who worked at the club as a door guy for you know almost five years you know i do i do appreciate the uh the romantic element like you were saying the stained carpets and the uh the outlets that don't work but are somehow oh the building's got soul baby (laughs) yeah um what was something that you... There's some stank on it. <laughs> there is some stank I think on they've it. swapped the carpets out maybe twice during production, and it takes about a week before they're right back to where they were. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, usually it's that night that someone like has their hot pretzel and the mustard spills, and you're like, well, that's mustard. That's forever. Yeah, someone just yeah. grinds some chicken tender skin. <laughs> yeah, it is a greasy meal. carpet. Stuart, you remember when you were working there, did they ever clean the carpets? I don't I, think so. I don't remember anyone. I remember they would vacuum every day, but... That's no- different. Yeah, like have the carpets like shampooed and stuff. They started doing that when we started making money towards the end, right before uh, the pandemic, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, that was the thing. I was um, I started working there in 2012, and there was it didn't seem like any money was coming through in or out of the club people's no. checks bounced yeah yeah that was that those were the good times yeah. i never got a bounce check but i came in right after that <laughs> so what was something when you were filming like were you behind camera like were you working camera as well as producing or were you just guiding like like what was your role exactly on any given shot um, both. Um, it really just depended on how much crew we had on that day. There was a lot of times, Luke can attest, that we just came to get something real quick um, that didn't require an entire crew. But then when we did a bigger profile guest, we made sure to have lots of hands on deck. Um, so it varied. I mean, we probably, I would guess we went and shot there 150 times, something like that. At least. Um, you were there for well over a year. Uh, two years. We started, uh, yeah. our, our first shoot, like our first in earnest shoot was September of 2018. Wow. That's wild. Yeah. It's, I mean, the, but for documentaries to really land, it is this lengthy project from start to finish. And I've noticed, I, I happened to 
uh, pull up uh, what I'm hoping is the same Jonathan Vogler IMDb page. Um, I notice that there are other, um, you know, there's other documentary work here that you've worked on. So this is really, uh, this seems like something that has been, you know, a, a lifelong or a long, um, you know, love for you. Yeah, I've been the production company or one of the production companies, Mandalay Sports Media, which is where I started in 2014. Mm-hmm. And judging by the name, it's mostly sports docs that they do. But I think sports docs now have like they've earned a place as kind of the as high or higher did than any other kind of docs. Did you see the last dance? You know? We did that one. That was our production company too. Wow! But did you um, see it? I did see it. Yeah. Oh yeah! Uh, Ten hours. My goodness! What a superstar. Uh. That was awesome. Yeah, that was cool to have something that fun. Uh, I didn't work on that one uh, the way that I worked on this one, but it was fun to mm-hmm. see it from across the uh, uh, well across the country because they were in New York. Yeah, I've um, there's I think sports documentaries are some of the best stories. You know, well, it's so inspiring. It, they're just people like us, but they're better at sports. I. Uh, yeah, there. I mean, there there is that element, but like, I noticed that one of the documentaries that you worked on is "We Are LAFC," and um, you know, for those has that li- come out? Uh, this says it came out in twenty nineteen. So um, nice. Yeah, that, I, yeah. It, was, it followed their first season. It was their yeah their first season in LA is is what it followed. Yeah, that's cool. And I've been to an LAFC game, and you know, though you know, there is there's a magic there in that stadium when the cracked that, walls the red and purple neon <laughs> the stained floors yeah. yeah it's it's really just the same bad outlets carpet that needs to be shampooed uh mm-hmm. there's no but there, like that's you know that's a story worth capturing and that's and that's a there's a feeling to that that you know i feel like only a documentary can can convey i've seen the soccer movies and they are they leave a lot to be desired yeah, that's a good example because there. If you go so, to an LAFC game, there's something happening, and I've been to LAFC games, and I I look around and like I I cannot believe this is happening in our country, um, that there's this much excitement about soccer, and you feel yeah. Well, yeah I think that documentary or the series captured that excitement, and similarly, if you went to the store, I mean, I moved to LA in 2011, so I remember barely that sort of dark era that you're talking about. But since, you know, the past, what, six, seven, eight years, something very fun and exciting is happening at the comedy store. Since, like, 2014, Um, I would say. Is that the year that we, yeah, I'm pretty pretty sure that's the year that Tommy got fired and Adam came in and everyone started coming back. And then comedy, I I thought the comedy bubble was going to burst in, like, 2013. And it just went up and up. And now it's, I mean, everything has burst. So, who knows? Yeah, all bubbles are burst. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. So, I'm curious, like, were you making short films or documentaries when you were younger? Like, in school? Kind of. Yeah, we always had the video camera, the camcorder. Um, okay. And would just, like, make a Star Wars remake with ourselves mm-hmm. um, and edit it on the VCRs. And then always with the school, morning shows, whatever, doing all that when I could. Wow. Um, and then... Yeah, kind of got away AV from it. AV club nerd. Listen to this guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, then got to... <laughs> I have no rebuttal to that. to be obsessed with VHSs. I got to be honest. I know. You're too good uh, I don't know. Uh, 
Yeah, and then just started peeing like everyone else did. <laughs> I, 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 I see this strategy that Luke is doing. He's, uh-huh. he's going he's to compliment you so that hopefully the edits where he is in the Comedy Store documentary show him in a good light, hopefully. Like, it comes back around. It's done. It's over. You're, you're bulletproof. <laughs> you, you can't be, uh, it can't be changed yeah. anymore. Well, we were talking wow. about... Uh, well, it's set in stone, this film. You know what I was thinking about is, like, I thought about this this morning. We shot um, Potluck. It must have been late February of this year. Mm-hmm. And that was one mm-hmm. of the earliest moments of of realizing how serious this was. I remember you, I think you were hosting, and there, you put a little wipe bottle out if people wanted to wipe the microphone. And yeah, I actually and remember I thinking, like, that seems excessive. And then I realized, like, that was sort of one of the moments when I realized, like, this is going to affect every part of life, I think, yeah, now. I think we shut was, down that week. Yeah, the the last lineup is still hanging in the various plot uh, I think it's maybe March 8th, wow. something like that, was the yeah. last one. Yikes. Yeah. yeah. That's creepy. Yeah, it's wild. Um, I mean, it, it, it just goes to show, like, yeah, I, I'm I'm interested to see if any of this does come back. Um, but I before we get into that, that heaviness, I am curious, like, we were talking about this last um, episode. How mean does Luke come off in the documentary? Is he... Am I nice now, or is, is Luke nice is now? <laughs> yeah, you're nice. You you saw yourself in the first episode briefly. Mm-hmm. Yes, and then, I saw that. that I love episode, seeing myself like that. Just like yeah. a quick, just like hey, and I don't say anything. That's cool. Mm-hmm. I said a lot of things on camera. I think. No, you you explain potluck to us, mm-hmm. to the person at home who doesn't know what that is. Uh, you post the lineup. And I think that's it from the second episode. But we, yeah, you have a couple lines. Uh, we see all the open micers come and check their names mm-hmm. in the list, like a high school play. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a really fun scene. You I get think. me doing the posting uh-huh. the list on the window. Wow. Uh-huh. That's what exciting. do you say? I think you say time to feed the fish. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> they all swarm like fish do when the Stuart. Do you that's, get like when I, I get it, fish Luke. are I get feeding? It. Yeah. It was yes, perfect. Thank you. It was the perfect imagery. <laughs> of what was about to happen. Thank you. Yes. And did you I mean, we've talked about a lot on this pod, but I like I'm just curious about me. Did I... <laughs> Luke seemed genuinely worried uh the last time we recorded that he I come off as a tool and a dillweed. I don't want to look like that. I really I'm hopeful that I don't. Um did you get when I got off stage and walked around the club? Is that shot in there? I don't know if I'm allowed to say. Oh, okay. um, then don't. Don't worry about it. <laughs> We'll leave it. We'll let we it be also a have surprise. No listeners, so who cares? But yeah, um, you have to tune in. Yeah, I, I'm trying to. I'm trying to mentally prepare Luke for the moment where he is in the documentary, and he I'm might come orny. off like a dick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the next Orny. Uh, we've heard that from so many people throughout shooting. Like anyone who we shot with for even a brief amount of time has. A lot of them have said, "I don't want to be like Orny," uh, even though. <laughs> See, you're not I know alone, Orny Luke. from that. No. <laughs> who was uh, a who was a really who was like a surprisingly great interview? I know I'm sure like David Letterman and Jay Leno were like great interviews and in that, but like who was like a surprising guy? Maybe you didn't know, or their story was like way crazier than you thought it would be. There's a ton. There, the, the interviews were so fun to sit and listen to these people because we went pretty deep with a lot of them. Um, Someone who I grew to really like over the course of shooting is Bobby Lee. 
I think mm-hmm. that guy's so yeah. funny. And his interview yeah. was so good and it was so offbeat. I don't think he had a podcast even when we started. So it's not like you could really hear Bobby talk for long did. periods of time. He, he, Maybe. Tiger, Be- Tiger Belly's been like four or five years at least, I feel like. Oh, okay. Um, well, I hadn't heard it by then. So it was sort of my Sorry. first long, yes. long form exposure mm-hmm. to Bobby. Yeah. Uh, he's a, he's man, a madman. He's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he, he's one of those people that just exudes funny. Like he's he's just sweating all the time because he's got so much energy just <laughs> pouring out of him of being funny. I've seen his butt so much. he just showed like if, if in any lull anywhere he just his pants come down. Yeah, like that. <laughs> I mean, he can't not be humorous. But on the other side of that coin, you also for documentaries like this for interviews, you can also get this side of him where he's talking about his genuine love of the comedy store. And sort of the uh, the mysticism around it all, and around how his career began. So I'm I'm sure you might have gotten hopefully both sides of that coin. Yeah, that's one thing of the interviews that's unfortunate about doing a doc about the comedy stores. So many of these guys have such great personal histories. Like they're in my mind, there could be a Bobby Lee doc, no problem. This is yeah, for sure. And that's He's true of fifty story. people we interviewed. I would say it's like oh my god, like this guy, like Joey Diaz is another. Like there's just been so many whose guys' personal stories are so wild that we just can't and we can't really include them in this because it's not it's not about them too much personally but yeah that's that was another big thing that was in my mind a lot during these interviews is how much how many stories every time you turn around in that building there's a different doc waiting for you there like don barris was another one oh jeez yeah that would be a scary one i think (laughs) you'd watch it though right it it would it would be I wouldn't if be it able was to look one away. hour and a half, just one, and it wasn't like a ten-part series or like how many episodes <laughs> of the store is coming out? The comedy store. Five, five. Oh, five. Wow. Five. Okay. okay. And and you said that Luke appears in two and five. Mm-hmm. Two okay. and five. All right. Great. Oh wow. Well, these are th- these are re- there's a reason for folks to to watch the whole series. You get you're gonna get Luke at the beginning oh, yeah, and you baby. get him at the end, which is fa- which is fantastic. Now I'm curious. Jonathan, like, what drew you to the comedy store? Because you said you would go there all the time beforehand. Um, and I'll, I'll I'll let you think about it for would a second. Would you go I'll dates, you know. or would you go solo, or would you go with friends, or all of the above? Yeah. Because um, what drew me to the club, as someone who was just dipping my toe into comedy, I was in L.A. on an internship, and I heard about a show that I could possibly get on, and I. I went there as a 20-year-old. I wasn't even supposed to be there. But I immediately, even with my relatively quaint upbringing, not a lot of chaos, but I was attracted to the, the dark, creepy, mystical, stained cool carpets. element <laughs> yeah, of, of the building. The building itself attracted me. I'm wondering if you had a similar experience. Yeah, I didn't... I loved comedy and I, comedy came to me in albums always and I didn't even really know I grew up in the south and I didn't really know what a comedy club was I, I if you would ask me like in high school what the comedy store was I would have guessed it's like a place where someone does an hour and a half and maybe has an opener or something <laughs> I, as soon as I realized what the format was uh I, it was just it was like I couldn't believe that existed that it's just rapid fire one after the other um and to have the lineups that they had uh it was just, it was undeniable. It was like, I couldn't believe you could sit there for what, four, five hours? And four or see, five, yeah. 
16 comics go up um, for for uh, from 9 p.m. to 2:30 a.m. Usually yeah. is like the original room regular run. Yeah, yeah, it's like a buffet of dessert. Like it's too. It, it's like it seems impossible that 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 it's just like that every night, um, and it is mostly. Yeah. Now, having spent a year or two, you know, filming there and you know being there for interviews and shots and you know being there both you know when it, off hours and when the shows were happening, did you find that any of that? Did any of that magic change for you once you got deeper into it? No, not at all. And even like to your point about being there during the day, we were there during the day a lot. And it became it really felt like an office and like work at times. But never any moment yeah. I could stop myself, uh, whether we were, I was like dumping footage in the main room or just sitting eating lunch with the crew in the original room. Like, yeah, just to realize where I am and just think about how if I'd ever came here and got sat early, I would just sit in there with like, I don't know, 25 other people kind of dreading it filling up. Cause I liked the feeling of sitting in there alone and just kind of taking in the room. Yeah. And that never, I, I wish I could say it was, uh, more cynical about it by now, but really not. It's, it's just a cool mm. place to go every day. Um, and then as far as the nighttime shows, yeah, those also just as funny. I mean, those were, di- those, those never stepped on the experience of going there as a guest. Cause it just, feels like work and it's running around with the camera and it's yeah. sometimes I would have to leave a room to go shoot someone else and I'd be a little upset to not get to see someone but <laughs> yeah it was uh just yeah it, it I was the whole this whole production I was waiting for the other shoe to drop because it didn't seem like it should be a job to be there like that every day and it, it really no it, it, it the magic was there it's still there and then of course it all got taken from us so now if it, when it comes back it'll yeah, it'll feel right. like new all over again. Yeah, I think especially since everyone's had some amount of time away from whatever was their their cheers, you know, it's like I feel like the store after five years of working there became this weird dungeon that was also my cheers mm-hmm. uh, to go hang out at, and where you know whether it's you know comedy clubs oh. or music venues, I think that time away, in spite of how how much of a bummer it is now, is going to be so much more exciting once we can all you know get back to doing these things in any respect i would say yeah. the, the creepiest the building ever is is during the day <laughs> during the day there's something about those aa meetings that meet there and like it's just <laughs> it's just and like maybe Polly like pops in and out but you're like it's just it's it's like it's still dark inside, but it's bright coming in the windows. That's the most like when it feels like it's haunted. I have yeah, we, a, to me. Oh, please! I, I would love to hear. Is are there any? Is there anything creepy that happened like during the day or even at night for besides you during with, besides days? interacting with the comics? Yeah. Well, no. Me as a as not a stand up comedian, I don't feel that way. It, but what's funny, Luke, is that how many comics came for those ten a.m., noon, two p.m. interviews. Mm-hmm. And all said, I've never been here when it's light out like this. It and, sucks. And they, it's, yeah, it makes all, my skin yeah. crawl. When I did phones, I was like, it felt like nauseous and sickly almost. It does feel. It's, it's kind of like seen now. It's kind of like seeing your teacher at the grocery store. I was like, this doesn't feel <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. It's and a, not in a fun way. It's a busy way. place yeah. during the day. Like you know, I don't know if you know this, but people are at work there during the day. There's a whole staff. Uh, yeah, yeah. cleaning crew and, 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 and like guys. 
and then not to mention there's like a fully functional restaurant and bar down there so there's deliveries coming in and out it's a it's I did I thought just because doing so many documentaries you always think about noise and foot traffic when you're trying to do an interview and I remember thinking at the beginning how nice it would be that we'd be in this empty place all day yeah. and be quiet with constant vacuums it's... going off and meetings happening and <laughs> yeah. yeah it's really when is there no one there maybe between like four and seven four a.m. and seven a.m. maybe no they get the, I think they get there around six or something yeah like the cleaning crew gets there pretty early because they leave around one or two i think mm-hmm. and in those in those dark times there would be comedians that would <laughs> sleep in the club oh, yeah. sometimes so sometimes i would get there for my like 11 a.m phone shift and someone's like in a row didn't make it home yeah <laughs> just or, like or homeless and living there for a couple yeah of days. it's like yeah i was like what why do you walk around like are you yeah. barefoot like what are you <laughs> like a, yeah <laughs> what are you doing you're gonna get there, a shower I, I knew i knew what's his, uh yeah JM lived there for like yeah. almost a year. It felt like a year, but it was probably yeah. a couple months. Could have been longer, he, man. I and he I, was like lit, fully living there. Yeah, There's was, at least one shower. There's the shower behind the main room. There might be another have, upstairs. And I have a story about a time that it was creepy during the day at the store involving that shower. So there was this guy. Okay. So, but Jonathan, you were saying how. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I guess we, we can let Stewie tell his little story. Uh, the, the the long and the short of it is that a guy who had come by the club and had been banned before because he had harassed some servers. I don't think he was a comedian. He might have been a homeless guy. Cool. He kind of he was one of those guys in L.A. who kind of toes that line. Was like, is he homeless? Is he not? And he, the the manager saw the day manager Paul saw him walk into the main room and go backstage and then he told he asked me hey could you come in with me i just don't know if this guy's dangerous i just wanted someone <laughs> yeah um to Stewart get for murdered backup. with i guess yeah, that's great. <laughs> i'm not i'm not you're wearing not a silk a floral shirt at the time as well like you are now <laughs> yeah i was uh, i was really parrot heading uh the fuck out of my life so i was so i go backstage with him and the shower's going this guy's using the shower and the manager's Brilliant. like i, I got to kick him out and we go and uh, the manager opens. You know, he says, "Hey, man, you can't be can't be showering in here. You got to get out of here." And the guy just walks out of the shower, wet and naked, and puts on the kimono that he walked in to the building with, wet, and then just walks out onto Sunset Boulevard, <laughs> barefoot in a wet kimono. <laughs> wow. Just, and then it was like done. Month, it was better than I thought it was going to be. Thank you. And then a month later, I saw Oprah interview Arsenio Hall in the main room. So it's like, it's the whole gamut yeah. of crazy. I love that. Yeah. I do love the high-low that the store can have. Yeah, really, it, like, high culture, low culture. One of my favorite stories. Not as good. No full, full frontal male nudity in this one. <laughs> uh, sorry, listeners. You what the fuckers <laughs> out there. Um... I know you get horned up listening to Stuart talk about kimonos, but um, I think I've told this one, that how there was a guy called uh, Mini Dean because he looked like Dean the manager, but he was smaller. He and was smaller. he came back from a three-week vacation in Thailand one time. He's not a comic, but he was a weird guy and loved to hang out there. And he had shaved half his beard and then shaved the like the opposite side of his head. So, like... He had, you know, kind of a 50-50 going on, just very weird. And he would always wear, like, a little uh, kind of a tail sticking out of his Yeah, it looked like pants. a raccoon tail. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, very, very weird. And he would wear a big uh, jacket that I, I assume he got from a thrift store that was like Uzbekistan national team. It was the Olympic from Uzbekistan. And uh, there was a there was a fundraiser happening for like a Jewish charity, and it was black tie. And there are all these like Jews in tuxedos and gowns getting out of there like either limos or ubers or you know like and they were like and it was early so we hadn't really set up yet and this guy of course is out there because all the crazies are just out there all the time they just hang in front of the building and he was telling people he's like oh yeah the main room's over there and like he's just like kind of helping people out but dressed with a tail coming out and the uzbekistan national thing half his half of his face shaved it was just pretty awesome, yeah. And then a dick came out of nowhere, so I guess that was nudity in that story, actually. How do you, like, all of those guys, there's a lot of guys like that. It's exhausting. Those, like, are they or not they? But, like, how do you, you're not a security guard. Like, how do you, when, when you're in the parking lot and you're dealing with, I don't know, Rogan or Whitney also sitting back there, like, how does it, does it just police itself? Because I, I, one thing I never really saw there was any of those kinds of stories where it seemed like someone was getting a little bit, aggressive or not because there's it's it's kind of bizarre how it's just sort of open to the audience to to yeah it's really great there's people that you always keep an eye on and like like joe rogan or whitney or whatever you just like kind of keep because people will always talk to them and you just kind of you kind of go back there and even we have security guards now thank goodness we used to have to be the whole security guard but like if a fan is just getting too fan and fanatical um I guess is where that word comes from. But uh, you would just be like, you'd give eyes to Joe and be like, hey, you okay? And he'd be like, either no or yes. And you just kind of go and be like, hey, man, we've got to clear the hallway or like whatever, you know, just like anything. Yeah. But, I made sure to always, especially in the beginning, like the first few months, to never walk around there at night without a camera because I, I would just like, I would be dressed normally and I would just go to the back, like behind stage in the main room. And if I left my right. camera back there... Yeah, I, like some some door guy would I would be doing his job correctly and stop me, and then I'd have to say uh, what I'm doing. But yeah, it, it always felt weird, and I made I, I used the camera to as like a badge of sorts to get around. Totally. Sure, it's like a press and badge. Door guys, yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, door guys are like on it too. We like we we, have we to don't want to fuck up. Like it it comes down and it makes the place look bad and just like makes our job harder eventually. So we kind of want to cut it off at the pass and like. And we're and we're and we you know, we have that thing, the of, you know having a little bit of attitude as part of the job, it's a Sunset Strip, location that we have to like, be cool. Yeah, it's like yeah, sure it's everyone's like, filming a documentary about the club. <laughs> Go back yeah, to your right. seat, dude. I've heard that one a million times. <laughs> I'm filming a documentary right now myself. What is this for? Epic stars felt... or something? <laughs> My whole life, I, I, I think I've peaked on, like, the coolest thing that will ever happen to me, which is just after those first few months, as soon as most of the door guys started to get to know the crew, just walking through the back door of the comedy store, no camera, just, like, a mm-hmm. head nod, like, maybe a fist bump to Luke or something. Uh, yeah. Never it feel took cool me a while to get to know you guys that. and Bert. Yeah. Uh, luckily, there wasn't a ton of us, but... Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was that... That I, ho- I hope uh, once this thing airs, I can still walk in and you'll just uh, let me through even Definitely. though we're done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a cool feeling. It's a cool feeling to have an in anywhere. Um, you, should, you should just make a shirt that says, I worked on the Comedy Store documentary. 
Oh, that would, I think that'd be good. T-shirt. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no. To be like let in, even on the very, very outer circles of the club, was it, it feels cool. It, it feels it's cool fraternity. to be a part of like, it. Yeah, in some secret way. society yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's been that's been a huge perk. Would you say that's the first time you felt like having an in like that before, or have you? Would you say that you know your your side of the camera work has? gotten you that in in places you wouldn't have expected to never with that much familiarity and then the 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 polar opposite of that is if we shoot in an nfl stadium where they can know who you are exactly and you still need to show them three forms of id to get to the one tunnel that lets you to the other tunnel that maybe lets you to the sideline um so yeah no that has never happened before um maybe a little bit i did this thing in vegas um where we were shooting the making of uh, Jennifer Lopez's Vegas show and that was a little bit fun to just get to walk in like that mm-hmm. but that was still like I did I just showed some credentials to get in before that even with uh, her multiple layers of security I feel like it is one of the is... perks oh I'm gonna oh. talk uh, I feel like one of the perks of being a comedian uh, I, that I love all the time is walking behind places like walking <laughs> backstage of anywhere, like any bar show or whatever, you just be like, yeah, yeah, I'm on, I'm one of the comics, I'm, one, uh, you know, I'm on, the, and it gives you just sort of like a license to go in a couple other places that you wouldn't, especially at the store. I mean, if you're a comic, yeah. you at point blank and you just like claim that or whatever, you can get into the club, and if there's a free seat, we'll put you in, and if there's not, we'll kick you out if they, we need. But it's a very base level but like there there's definitely a hierarchy at the store and one i was in the middle of which was kind of fun in the very early days of shooting i would go mike and i would go a lot with no cameras just to kind of get to know people and get to know the scene and he he would do things like no just come on we'll sit we'll sit in adam's seat back here so mike would sit like next to it and sit me next to it then he would leave and i would just be sitting there in adam's seat (laughs) right that's like when you're when your mom and you are going through the line at the grocery store and she's like oh i forgot one thing and then you get up to the cashier and you're like i don't i'm just a child i don't know about money yet yeah yeah i have a velcro wallet and there was nothing to say. I don't think I don't even know if we'd been greenlit by then. So I just had to say, "Oh right, yeah, I'll get up. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to sit here." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, the store has a lot of places you can't go. You you can't sit there like you like you, like if you if you don't have the name on the wall, you can't sit in these seats or like blah blah. blah. We were talking about the first episode of the documentary. This was in the last uh, our episode too that we talked about. But Kate, my hot wife, huge flex. Uh, we were watching documentary and it showed Mitzi's office and I was like, never, never seen it, never been in there. Just like I, I, I was in that building almost every day for six years, never, never saw that room. Yeah, there's layers of intimacy yeah, that was cool. to it. There's these layers of just like, like how, it's almost like with Dante's Inferno, like the like the circles of hell. Just like getting mm-hmm. closer and closer <laughs> to the to the eye of the storm, and and there's definitely parts of the building that I've never you know walked into, and I, I've walked into many parts of it, um, even up into the little crow's nest where the sound guy is for the main. That's room. That's a had, great little spot. I've had to crawl up there, being mm-hmm. six foot two, and just like <laughs> tell the guys like. <laughs> Nikki hey, Glaser's Kirk. not coming in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Bring up Brian Holtzman. <laughs> yeah. You have, yeah, to get to the crow's nest in the main room of the uh, where the sound guy sits is probably three feet high and exposed beams. 
I've yeah. done it. It's it's a yeah it's a I, crawl space, yeah. but that old spotlight that has like it has a bulldog like stamped on it, and it's like it's it's from a very long time ago. That spotlight, it's cool. So when did they switch the lights out? That was also right before, wasn't it? I you know I don't remember. I think it was. I thought it was fairly recently. The spotlight's yeah. gone. The spotlight you're talking about isn't there anymore. Yeah, I remember that now. Yeah, that's a bummer. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I haven't worked there in a little while, so my, my relationship to the, ship to the store has um, been a little more distant. But um, I will say watching the documentary, even just this first episode that we've seen, is has brought back some of that, some of those good feelings that I felt while I was there. Because it was a whole mixture of feelings that I felt toward it. But it the the way you guys put it together really brought back a lot of um, positive feelings that I had about how about the camaraderie and I think it's because we we've, we've all been missing that. But um, yeah, I'm curious, like the just from the first episode, if like how that Freddie and Alan story and the relationship between them that seems so modern still. Yeah. To have the, mm-hmm. the connection with someone, someone takes off, someone doesn't. Um, yeah. That I mean, must happen all the time among store guys. No, yes. we're never petty and jealous about anyone's <laughs> success or anything. Yeah, and, and no one has ever. Um, I mean, backhanded the, the sad thing or. Is, <laughs> yeah, I mean the sad thing is we, you know, everyone has, has lost someone, not necessarily mm-hmm. quite like that, but you know, everyone, you know, especially with COVID now, but even with just the the nature of mental illness and, you know, and drug addiction, that's that's affected, yeah. you know, millions of people, and so I mean, that's. They're, they're... I mean, there's been so many of those losses. You could do each episode could have one of those losses from the store. I feel yeah. like, yeah, you it's could, crazy. Yeah, you could do plenty. Comics of are sort of dark, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but were you? I'm I'm curious about you know some of the other um, some of the other documentary work you you've done. Uh, you know, I noticed that you've. There, there's something that that's a little bit further down on on this that I haven't gotten to see is uh, here's the rub I only noticed because it has Paul Rodriguez in it who's another comedian is that was that a comedy related uh, project that you worked on? It's actually Paul's son, the skateboarder. Oh, um, okay. Oh, nice. Paul, is, Paul Rodriguez. Um, yeah. But that show he's was hosted a, he's a dope by. Skateboarder. Yeah, uh, that show was hosted by Andrew Santino. Okay. Um, who is in this is now the third project we've done with him. Uh, I love him as well. Um, what was the yeah that was a cool show uh it was a show called sin city saints it was a scripted show and and santino plays a uh fictional nba owner like a tech billionaire (laughs) young person it was fun it was him and malin ackerman and tom arnold were the leads uh one season but it it was cool yeah i liked him in that that bar show that got canceled too but that was like a really mixology yeah mixology exactly yeah. right yeah before i met him i saw him in that and i was like this is you know fine <laughs> <laughs> yeah. ever, ever ever supportive <laughs> yeah i told him once that i saw him in that and he was good and he was like what the fuck no one saw that <laughs> Weird. yeah I, mean, I, I knew him from that yeah he was good he was the rub show he was so funny in that it was like uh he played a russian character uh, who interviewed athletes in character without them knowing. Very nice. <laughs> Do you feel that you were saying that, you know... A ginger Russian? <laughs> what is he, a Moscow mule? 
Wow, I just I I surprised myself with that one. That was really good. <laughs> Jonathan, do you ever feel like you know? Because I I think with actors and people in narrative shows, there you know it's kind of like what Luke was saying, where it's like people you saw that. Like, do you ever? I feel like the the fame around documentary making is different. Like, do you? get people that ever like come up to you and talk to you about your work or is it mostly just like industry people and you're like your crew? Um, I've never had anyone ask me about work. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, <okay. laughs> well, we're glad to be the first and, uh, <laughs> um, first no, many, it's Jonathan. <laughs> I think you're right though. It is different with docs. I don't know. Uh, maybe because documentaries feel more like journalism. Um, they're not, they're famous. Flashy, are they? I mean, Who's like the most famous documentary filmmaker in your mind? Mr. Moore Michael, probably. Yeah, it'd be like Michael Moore, or Werner Herzog, or, or like Alex. But Kinsley. he's on camera. Um, what about yeah. the guy who, who puked from the McDonald's? Oh, Morgan Spurlock. Yeah, Morgan Spurlock. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, those, those guys were on camera. That's true. Yeah, the vow. That's pretty good. But no, I think what like the bleep do we know? Big scripted producers and directors. Those guys are famous. Mm-hmm. People know them, yeah. Well, that that sounds like a great mix because I think you know, I think Luke and I have talked about you know with you know Luke's you know budding uh, you know television appearances and I was in the <laughs> film a commercial. Yeah, my career was like just starting. Yeah, it, <laughs> it was really I mean, it was, a bummer. Yeah, and ten years in, but still whatever. Yeah, but I mean, that, I mean that's how it is for us, you know. And I was feeling similarly, yeah. but from a, a different side of the, the prism. Me, but we were, <laughs> but that must be. Do you feel that's like a relief that you get that anonymity while you get to, you know, make these, these great pieces of work? Yeah, I guess I, I have no concept. I mean, Luke, what was your what was the special? Was it Comedy Central? What was the thing you did? Last yeah, I year, did a I year? did a Comedy Central taping for the Bill Burr, ring the ring, Bill Burr presents the Ringers. I was where did you tape ringers. it? We taped it at the. Something ballroom downtown. Do you remember the name of it, Stuart? Was it the Terragram Ballroom? It was the Terragram Ballroom, yeah. Yeah, downtown LA. Mm-hmm. They made it look great and not at all like a comedy show, but they yeah. made it look cool as hell. Like, it was just intense for my st- style, you know, my oeuvre of everything. <laughs> Very How long bright. was your set and what did you have to cut it to? You cut it to 22 or was it 30? Oh, no, these were five minutes. Yeah, these are Everyone, shorter they, sets. Yeah. Oh, like a, oh, I see, like one after. Yeah, like a like a premium I blend see, style. Okay. I see. So how long did By you do on stage? I did five minutes, and they still cut it down because we. Had to, <laughs> I forgot they had to make room for the interview and stuff. So I think it's like four and a half. I lost a line that I really liked and kind of tied two jokes together, but whatever, it's fine. I'm not bitter mm-hmm. or anything. I'm just super mad. Well, Luke and I have talked about that, you know, that how how our anonymity changes a little bit and ours, I I, I can't say has changed a whole lot. Um, You know, we could say both thankfully and, you know, not thankfully, but the I feel like, you know, part of me envies what you get to do. You You get to make something that you are proud of and something that's artistic and something that captures something and the emotion of something that's amazing but you also get to step away from it. Do you value mm-hmm. that? Do you think about that? I will probably, we're still in the, in the 
middle of this, it feels like, um, of this project. And I think when this thing ends really? and I have time to step away, I mean, we're still cutting. We're, we're, we're yeah, still but letting, I mean, going. it's towards the end. You're cutting. You're not shooting anymore, you know? Um, true. It still feels like we're in the... finished all the episodes. That's so, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah we're pushing there's it. There's so much um, footage. Yeah, there's a lot of footage. But I, I think, and to answer your question, I don't, it's hard to think about stepping away from it now because we're still in the middle of it. I, if you ask me in a month or so, I'll have, probably have a little bit better perspective. Sure. Because um, even like the night it aired, my family and friends were like, it's so amazing. Like, it's a, like, yeah, it looks so cool. great. So, it didn't like, I think if you ask most of the people on the production, we didn't even maybe realize it aired Sunday. Like, we, we just went back to work Monday. Yeah, um, and I think it's going to take like a little bit of distance before we can all step back and um, and then be proud of this. Yeah, I I felt a little bit similarly when I I record. You know, Luke and I went up to the Bay Area in February right before the pandemic hit, and I recorded an album. And there was still you know there's the recording of it, which I'm I was relieved to have finished, but there's you know it didn't come out until the end of July, so there is that in between. Whereas like. You know, we still have some yeah, stuff. Yeah, I filmed for Comedy of... Central in April, and I think it came out in January. Yeah, like April it was of last seven year. months. Wow. It was like yeah. seven or eight months of, or nine even, of just like okay, I swear I was on TV kind of once. <laughs> yeah, your mind and your sets are probably in totally different places by the time it comes out. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Would you? Would you say after some of the projects that you finished, like these uh, these sports documentaries, like your mind and your like your focus is on something completely different by the end of it? Usually, yeah, something else is starting, and then it's a lot of times it'll be a couple of years before I go back and watch it and and with fresh eyes and um, then appreciate it more. Very cool. And I'm curious if you, I know you're working with a lot of different people, but like if you got to you know be the the spearhead of a project for what's Vogler's dream project yeah like what like what what would you want to and and also I'd like to tag on what what's also your what's your favorite joke of mine answer in (laughs) order what's your um I say and I I love that you're pretending to think so hard but (laughs) no I I catch myself I don't I say quite now um because of you oh yes that joke was about Stuart (laughs) <laughs> it was. Yeah. Yeah, my white oh, wow. roommate. Yeah, Luke yeah. and I lived together for, you know, a few years. Um, and uh, White with a capital, what else comes in this avocado toast? Yeah. 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 Well, I'm, that, glad yeah. That, I'm glad that's infectious. I don't remember where I saw that, but yeah, that's a good one. Um, I don't know. Like, honestly, not. if you had asked me four years ago, I think a documentary about the comedy store would be hard to beat. Um, yeah. Running out of subjects. Can't do Michael Jordan. You're going to, you're going to Flappers do, next? Yeah, we're going to do... Uh, and the, the, the Claremont saga and everything like that. That'll uh-huh. be good. Uh, we had a... I was going through like my phone. like I organized the pictures of when, what they are related to. Um, our first shoot for this, we were, meet, we were driving with someone to the comedy store, and we met at uh, Greenblatt's. Yeah, and so the we took I took like a crew picture on the first day, and just without even realizing it, the Laugh Factory is behind us. So like our first like thumbs up first day of shooting comedy store talk is just in front of the, the Laugh, Laugh Factory. Factory. <laughs> Guys, we went to the wrong place. Uh, <laughs> That's really fun. can't wait to make a documentary about the store. It's like totally wrong. That's great. Yeah. 
Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. I think about it all the time. Uh, it's a deep there's question. Gotta, there's got to be Let's some musicians who haven't had docs yet, right? Is there any good musicians who haven't had a doc yet? Um, have, will be. Yeah, I mean, have. I'm trying to think of more recent. I would. Bands. I would watch a documentary on Lil B, the bass god, because he's he's uh, he's out there, and he is. I mean, he's willing to be on camera too. I bet. Yeah, I would I would see one about the White Stripes. I know they had kind of like a concert film about their Canadian tour, um, but I would I would see one about them, just like the chronicling their whole. Be a good uh, one, yeah. Saga. I think Chili Peppers too, just because I know the footage exists. Yeah. Um, I think all the modern people are just shooting everything now, just in case years they down the road. Yeah. 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 Everything's behind the music now. <laughs> Jonathan, thanks for being on the podcast, man. This was a lot of fun and informative and got to stroke my ego some. So, you know, I loved it. Yeah, it was great talking to you, Jonathan, really. Thank you, guys. Luke, I hope you're willing to talk to me after you see these second and fifth episodes. <laughs> you know, I, I, we'll see We'll see when I see them. You know what I mean? It's, it's up in the air. Uh, yeah. Anything you'd like to plug besides watching this Comedy Store documentary every Sunday on Showtime? Yeah, watch that every Sunday. I guess now it's the next three Sundays. Uh, there's a show on Bleacher Report called Underrated that I created where football players get to challenge their video game ratings. Um, okay. That will be coming out. There's three of them already out and five more to come throughout what might be an NFL season. Um, <laughs> okay, where, where can people really see that? That's really cool. I like that a lot. Yeah, I'll send it to you. It's on uh, all, anywhere you can get Bleacher Report stuff. So YouTube, Instagram, uh, on their app. Uh, it's called Underrated. Okay, beautiful. Well, look, check out Underrated and check out the Comedy Store documentary on Showtime every week. There's, uh, as of this recording coming out, there's going to be three more episodes. So, um, yeah, really, really a pleasure, Jonathan. And um, uh, hopefully we'll see you again in person sometime. Thanks so much. Thank you, guys. Bye, what the fuckers. Bye.